Craft Beer Radio, episode 414, on March 5th, 2017. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, 414 episodes in, we're finally doing Paper Plans by Mia. You know, you see it on all these uh, slow motion things, and I thought, it's a good song. Oh, okay. I've heard it, I'm not sure. Yeah, I couldn't place it, but I've heard it. So, uh, what do we have in front of us? Five beers. Yes. Imagine that. None of them provided by the brewery, so that's... Noteworthy in its own way. The last episode didn't have any either. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think. So I saw this beer when I was uh, at Whole Foods, and it caught my eye because it's a new Saison from Omegang. New Saison from Omegang? What is it called? It's called Short Sleeve Saison. Well, so this guy is 4.5% alcohol by volume, 35 IBU. Um... Uh, started to brew. This must be relatively old, right? I don't know. I thought I checked the dates on all these. Uh, I'm trying to figure out. No, I guess not. It, it says uh, available in 12 sound six packs on draft at the brewery start, beginning Monday, Saturday, March 4th. When did you buy it? Uh,. Last Sunday. So I guess I got it out early. Hopefully. <laughs> because it, the, the first response to this is from February 22nd, 2017. So, okay. um, so hopefully nice and fresh, right? Yeah. Now, this is interesting. It's in a short stubby bottle. Omegang used to not use these. Now, they're kind of like the Boulevard bottles, I wonder. Or um, sort of like also, uh, not just Boulevard, but... Sierra Nevada. Yeah, Sierra Nevada. But, Thank you. But... Boulevard and Omegang are the same company. Oh, right. That's true. So that's why I mentioned that. I think that's the Boulevard Duval. bottle. Not sure. Okay. So this pours a uh, straw color. A Here, little bit cloudy. Let's blend our glasses. Mine's a okay. lot cloudier than yours. So let's make sure we're tasting the same thing. Lots of head. Look at that. Like shaving cream. Yeah. So straw color. A little bit of a greenish tint to it. Uh yeah, but like two and a half fingers worth of a shaving cream thickness head. It's uh, plenty cloudy. The smell on it is um, lots of esters. You know, it reminds me kind of a whippier aroma on the first sniff. Yeah, pretty bright. Some coriander notes. A little, a little straight, a little somewhat woody in some areas. Perhaps a little bit of um, Brett-like, uh, so sort of a horse blankety type Brett aroma coming from it. I'm, I'm really, the, the coriander is clogging my nose, really. That's the main thing I'm getting. I'd love to, if I, oh, maybe there's something a little bit kind of dry, dusty in there, a little Brett-like. So it's brewed with Pilsner, wheat, acidulated malt, and flaked oats, opt with topaz and motueka, spices with grains of paradise, lemon peel, and coriander. So, huh. Picked up the coriander. Motueka and topaz. Interesting. It, it, there's, a, there's a hop... Um, like a, I think this has like a hop-forward type flavor to it. It's coming across a little. I'm not bit. really smelling the bread anymore. Actually, I, okay. I, I don't know if there's bread in here. Just it's something that was giving me a bread-like aroma, but wishful thinking. Maybe it's the wheat. Maybe yeah. you're thinking. Maybe the wheat was coming across a little bit like that. So when you take a sip mm. of this thing, it kind of it, it's interesting. But you know, the thing that's like noteworthy, the kind of thing that's like not your average wit beer, not your average saison, is kind of the hops on this. You're getting it's. It's mostly citrusy, but there's some tropical in there, you know, so it's kind of like a, an orangey with a, mang- a little bit of mango yes. juice, you know, so imagine like maybe 10, 15% mango in your orange a, juice. A hint of kind of sweet coconut and a malt characteristic that reminds me most of oyster crackers. The, um, there's kind of a... 
interesting because it's it's definitely a mashup. It, it's you know because of the amount of hops in this thing. Yeah. You know, it's not really a classic saison, classic no. root beer. But it, it's, it's in- mimicking a lot of those flavors with the hopping, which is yeah. really interesting because the hop is providing a lot of some of those Brett. Like kind of the lemon flavors, peel or right? orange peel and, type and, flavors. And some of the slight dusty notes and, and you know, the slight uh, dank notes that come from, mm-hmm. from, from Brett's. But I don't think there's actually Brett in here just from the way it's tasting. I think it's, I think it's just a strong hopping element that's giving that. It's like a deep tangerine-ish mango. Yeah. You mentioned oyster cracker. I, you know, I think that I'm getting... I mean, the wheat is is pretty apparent in the flavor, right? And that, what that's giving you is something that's a little more, I don't want to describe it, crispy, I guess, than bready, right? There's kind of a right. little bit of a, um, you know, sharper, you know, get that kind of lemongrass type tang to it, you know, so that's kind of playing in with the whole... Yeah, it doesn't have that like you know bread crust type thing going on. It, it yeah. it's more, it's less refined than that, and more kind of, uh, yeah, grassy, grassier notes. Mm-hmm. You know, while tons of flavor were coming out of it, they felt kind of cold on my tongue. So I'm pumping heat into this to make sure I can get the full experience. Um, I think it's, I'm I'm happy with it now. It has a lot of carbonation. It's it's got a good spicy bit. I'm. I like it. I think it's you know it, it's presenting an interesting, uh, interesting flavors and a good um, good mixture of yeah. light and com- of complex complexity uh, with the complicated stuff and uncomplicated direct flavors as well. So it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's I'm not getting mixture. anything that feels rustic to make me want to call it a saison. You know, I'm putting this in the American hopped wit beer category, you know, if, there, if it was such a category. But to me, it feels more like a wit beer than a Saison. You know, when I'm looking for a Saison, I want something that's really dry, kind of rusty. It doesn't have to be bretted, but yeah. it's got to be really dry and something like that. And for me, especially with the coriander and the grains of paradise in this thing, that rips it out of Saisonville. Yeah. I, I think, like I say, I think the interesting thing is, is using the hops to mimic that kind of brett mm-hmm. character without actually right. having brett in there. Now, I'm not complaining about this beer. This beer is yummy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could definitely see getting a sixer of this or more, especially as the spring starts cracking. And Absolutely. This is very, very good. And I like, I like, I've always liked the play of things like Gumball Head, you know, American hopped wheat beers, mm-hmm. you know, wheat IPAs. This is kind of like a wheat beer IPA. A white, you know, white IPA, which yeah, I remember when Saranac was like one of the A white first session IPA. Yeah. 4.5. Kind of like that. But I mean, because of you're getting that uh, Motueka and Topaz hop flavors coming through, mm-hmm. you, you know, the hop heads are going to get what they like in this thing, but on a whip your palate. And I really like the combination. It reminds me of an article I was reading. I forget where I... I, I did you, did you put the link in, in there or were they reading it somewhere else? Where it's about how people are understanding bitterness and how bitterness has changed. Uh, and I did see that article. Yeah. I'm not sure who sent it to who. I think you probably found it first. But, I mean, it's like, oh, uh, I think I saw, actually, I saw that article when I think Stan Hieronymus retweeted it or something like that. It's been. I'm, I'm trying to remember the details, yeah. though. It's been. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, but it was. It was an interesting article. But it, it. It. It's that thing that we talked about with phase one, phase two, phase three is our shorthand, for the way that people have started to use hops in in more and more interesting ways, and yeah. uh, not just making so much more problems. mature use yeah. of of artistic use of hops as opposed to heavy handed. Indeed. So you you can have a really hoppy IPA without it being. An arrogant bastard, without it, it, it really turning off a lot of people because of its over, overt bitterness. All right, that was the short sleeve saison from Brewery Omegang. Just came out. Check it out, Spring Saison Ale. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. What's next? Uh, the pale ale. Oh, sure. So from Knee Deep Brewing. This is their Northeast Auburn Pale Ale, uh, which they call a double-filtered West Coast Pale Ale. 
brewed uh, with citrusy, fruity, and dank hops. I wanted to give them another try. We had them last show with that vanilla thing. That oh, was awfully spoiled. Yes, uh, it was. It was one of the grossest things. So this is four point five percent as well. Interesting. Uh, Forty-two IBU. I don't smell that uh, acetone right away. I do smell no. A lot we've of hops had right we've right. had other knee deeps. Yeah, you know this. That wasn't the first one, but that was definitely disappointing. This one smells citrusy, juicy, you know, like really sweet orange or clementine yeah. type aroma. You're getting a little bit of dankness in there as well. It's like a golden peach kind of color there. Um, just, yeah, not really hazy so much. I think that might be just some condensation. Yeah, it's pretty clear. I mean, it has a slight haze to it. Oh, double filter, and still has some haze to it. It's interesting. Well, that's just marketing. Double filter? <laughs> it's marketing? Sure. Triple hop, double filtered, <laughs> cold filtered, ice filtered, cold brewed. Was it the coldest tasting beer? Yes. <laughs> beer tastes so cold. Had a beer today. Or I didn't have a beer. I tasted a beer today, double wide. Terrapin put out a sour cherry wake and bake or tart cherry wake and bake. Mm-hmm. And is making your beers taste like they're oxidized the thing now? Because <laughs> you know, putting tart cherry in a coffee stout sure made it taste like an old coffee stout. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the same way that some you know, the guy at Jester King is designing beers that, that to taste like they have some skunk in them. Or or better with a little bit of skunking. Right. Green bottles and petite prints, yeah. Yeah, it just, I tasted it, and maybe you need more than a sample to, to appreciate that beer, but the sample that I did have, it just tastes like an old coffee stout, because the, you know, the, the, the tart cherry flavors are very close to oxidation-type flavors. Oh, okay, so here's from a magazine called vinepair.com, 18 Defining Moments in the History of Craft 18. Wow. Defining Moments. June 3rd, 2005. <laughs> Is that on there? I doubt it. 1972, Cascade Hops are made available. 1972. That's before. I mean... Well, it's what they led to. They led yeah. to... I guess Anchor Brewing did Anchor Porter in 1972 also, so you could call that... I mean, but it, it wasn't what it is now. It's like the... You know, the stepping stones, but I don't know if you can call that necessarily part of the... I mean, what it is, I mean, that was the... If it wasn't for hops... I mean, think of what hops were in the 70s and 60s, right? They were made to be bittering units, right? Not to really give hop flavor or anything mm-hmm. like that. So Cascade became available probably at the right time. I mean... You could definitely see that if it came on too early, it would have been, you know, too pungent mm-hmm. to be used by big brewers. So I think it's noteworthy for sure. Apparently they were released from a government breeding program in 1972. Oh, they mind control. Yes. This whole thing's mind control. Uh, 78, Jimmy Carter federally legalizes home brewing. 1980, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale focuses on American hops. 91, Fat Tire. 95, Boston Beer company goes public they, i can't believe they didn't mention fritz maytag at the beginning there oh you said there was anchor porter yeah mentioned okay yeah. 72 i would i wouldn't have mentioned porter i wouldn't have either mentioned steam him buying the brewery or i would have mentioned uh liberty which you know the first kind of ipa made in america you know post prohibition it's interesting that the more recent ones so 2011 and it's wish buys goose island for 38.8 million uh 2011 heady topper is put in cans <laughs> I saw a, an article, a tweet about an article from a guy from The Alchemist, and he's like, you'd think we put unicorns in this shit. Yeah. <laughs> the way people go gaga over it. 2011 Left Hand Brewing bottles the first craft nitro beer. Bottles. Yeah. Uh, 2015. This is, yeah, Constellation buys Ballast Point Brewing for $1 billion. Why, why is Left Hand's nitro milk stout in a glass bottle noteworthy? I have no idea. 
left hand milk uh, took off. Yeah, so th- this article. Oh, no, this lost all credibility. Yeah. From from a good blogger in Longmont. I didn't expect it to be a good article. But if you're doing a listicle, you're expecting people to complain about it. So, yeah. this we are. I mean, I didn't expect there to be 18 defining moments you could definitely pick out. Like, defining moments? I don't know if there are 18 that I could even... How many of those are definitely not defining, right? Yeah, okay. So, all right. Casket House are made available. You make the argument that can be defined. I think it's defining. I give okay. it. I give it. Seventy-two anchor revives the American Porter. Now you would say I would, the other anchor. I would. Things. I would say Liberty Ale or Fritz May, sixty-five okay. with Maytag Butter. But seventy-eight. I, I, Jimmy Carter federally legalizes home brewing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a major yeah. milestone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nineteen eighty Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen ninety-one Fat Tire. Yeah, it's hard. No. It's hard. I mean, that, well, we—that's not a defining moment in craft beer to me. I'm trying to step outside myself. I would say no. Me, not vote. Be, I don't like the beer that much, right? I'm trying to step outside myself. I still, I still think no. But I, uh, uh, Boston Beer Company going public. Yes, I can see that as you know. Oh, the stock went crazy. Yeah. Got lots of attention. I mean, stock went goo goo the first year. So yeah, ninety-five Goose Island Bourbon County brand status as first whiskey barrel aged beer. Yeah, if that's if, I don't know if that's true. I mean, assuming it's true, no, that's definitely no, look at the trend it started. Yeah, then. yeah. So definitely noteworthy. Twenty oh one dogfish head introduces continuous hopping method with their ninety minute IPA. Dogfish introduces continual marketing method. That, Not, that's a milestone of of sorts. Applying modern marketing to uh, craft beer. It's not. It's not defining. That is not defining. That is just a production. 2002, Oscar Blues puts their craft beer in cans. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2005, Russian River releases Pliny the Younger. No. Whales, bro. (laughs) 2011, Anheuser-Busch buys Goose Island for $38.8 million. Yeah. Probably. I think it's defining. I I wouldn't... If you're including that one, you can't include Ballast Point. I mean, unless the... Less the uh, order it's about of magnitude. The, it's about the order, the order of magnitude, magnitude, right? Because 2011 goes 38.8 for this, and Ballast Point then goes for a billion. <laughs> uh, 2011. Hit the list of 17. 2011. Hitty Topper is put in cans. No. 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 There's no. No. There's nothing about that defining. 2011. Left Hand Brewing bottles the first craft nitro. Beer. No. No. 2015. Constellation buys Ballast Point Brewing for one billion. No. No. 2015, Lagunitas goes mainstream with Heineken. Another... No. no. 2016, Answer Bush InBev buys up S.A.B. Miller. No. No, that's not craft beer at all. 2011, Miller Coors beats a lawsuit against Blue Moon being a craft beer. No. Possibly. We'll see how that... 2016, a number of United States breweries tops 5,000 for the first time. Yeah. I mean, if you what's defining as, as about a, that? That's that's just a as round, just a milestone. Right? It's a milestone. It's not yeah. a, that's not defining. It's not a defining moment. No. Unless it never gets higher. Uh, okay. Other defining moments: the mid '90s shakeout. Yes. Sure. Defining moment. Um. Phase three hops. Def- mosaic hops. Defining moment. Uh. Introduction of tropical IPAs. Mosaic. There's not really a... Well, Mosaic and Friends. I mean, that's more defining than a whole bunch of stuff on that list. From our maybe, perspective, I think... Maybe it's too soon to see the full impact of yeah, it, but... Yeah, um, I think that... I mean, if we're... Like, because you could, you could bring it down to specific beers that are defining, right? I mean, like, I would put... For example, I put... Um, uh, West uh, Westbrook's Goza on there as, as a defining uh, beer because of it what it started in terms of a of a flashpoint for that style. Um, I'm not sure I could. Get, I mean, that's that's just you picking your Pliny the Younger. I mean, that's well. I think that if you're going to talk about beers and their legacies, then that beer has interesting as a legacy. I mean, we think. I mean, that's like the first one we had. I. I 
Do we know that for sure that that was kind of the, I, the seed? That I started? seem to think I'm reading about it being a seed, okay. but, but um, okay, maybe I'm wrong. But I mean, you, if you read it, I mean, I, I didn't read it. I remember, you know, we had it and it kind of set, you know, a benchmark in our minds mm-hmm. for what Goza's should and could be. So I mentioned then like Dark Lord is probably would be on that list because did that start it's one of so the big... hard to to label a single beer as a defining moment okay so let's let, so let's get away i mean from it that. has to be i mean okay so anchor liberty sierra nevada pale ale i'm trying to think of another beer i would consider defining <sighs> um I mean, there. It has, for me, it Eric has... Bastard probably goes on the list. No, I mean, so I'm setting this as a such a high bar. I mean, I'm just thinking Anchor about... Liberty revived an ex, almost okay. a nearly extinct style of okay. IPA, which became the most popular style of beer in America. You know, yes. craft beer in America. Right. Sierra Nevada set loose the avalanche of craft beer. Mm-hmm. So then you have I, to put then uh, a uh, Boston Lager on there. Well, we have Sam Adams because of going public. Right. Now, Boston Lager, yeah, I think Boston Lager could be, uh, could definitely be defining. Yeah, I mean, out of everything we talked about so far, he's the closest. Mm-hmm. And I think he could be there. I don't want to spend too much time thinking about the other beer. The other beer <laughs> <laughs> that could be there. But, you know, for me, that's a, such a high bar. Yeah. And also, when you. Start talking about every major sale. When you're talking about your your list of eighteen has Goose Island and Ballast Point and, and Lagunitas, yeah. And then two of them about packaging. One about packaging a whale. The other one about putting nitro beer in bottles. Right. Whoop de do. Okay, so Oscar if, Blues. If, if, okay. Oscar Blues, you agree with, right? I mean, cause the, oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. because what it proved out. I mean. Most of the beers we're drinking tonight are in cans. Right. Most of the beers we've had in the last, what, probably close to 70% of the beers we've had in the last year and a half have been in cans. Yes. I think that's probably true. I uh, mean, that's Part insane. of that is my, is, is, you know, our tendency to look for cans, too. Uh, uh, well, when you travel, especially you look when for I cans. Travel, yeah. I mean, for me, I don't necessarily have that tendency. But, I mean, that boggles my mind that there's been such a pickup of cans in the industry. Uh, so yeah, I mean, because of what that, that led to, that is defining. Now, sure, can't could milk stout in nitro bottle glass bottles be defining? Well, sure, if there was seven hundred other nitro glass bottles, but there's not. There's mm-hmm. zero other ones. Yeah. So who the f cares? Um, trying to think, what else be defining? Um. I wonder, oh, so here's something, you know, this is something that like a real like journalist or researcher would have to figure out, but I wonder if the hop shortage led to this phase three hops. The timing kind of lines up. There's my speculation. Someone go research that. It does make sense, right? There's a hop shortage and then people are looking for other supplies of hops and looking for other ways to do it. And so they just grab what it, what they can and find that, mm-hmm. hey, they work out really well. So instead of making, if that logic proves true, then I would move my mosaic and friends back to the hop shortage and what it led to. But, Okay. I think we've okay. exhausted. This was fun. Yes. And I think people found this interesting, but I do not want to linger on it way too long. Uh, we're drinking the Auburn Pale. We haven't talked about it a lot, but it's it's a good drinker. There's, yeah. um, like I said, clementines, you know, sweet, orangey type flavors. And there's a little bit of sulfury, oniony, you know, very light. So a bit of Simcoe type stuff in yeah. there. En- enough to, to, to give it some depth, but not, mm-hmm. you know, not go crazy. Uh, I like the juiciness of it. Um, it, it has a. It, you know, it doesn't taste like a four point five percenter. It, it tastes. Oh, it's oh, is that it? Yeah, yeah, this is such a full body. I mean, for if this was calling itself a session beer, this is you know getting bonus points because yeah. it feels like it's six six and a half percent. Yeah, it's it, it's really well done in terms of of the body that's giving you for sure. Definitely worth your sobriety. Mm. 
All right. We haven't used that one, that no, benchmark well, much I lately. Mean, Things change. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now we have two IPAs and a porter. I think we do an IPA, break it with a porter, and go back to the other IPA. Sound good? Mm-hmm. So what are we drinking now? The Flying Dog. The Flying Dog. This is their single hop IPA Denali version. The Mouth McKinley version. So we jump from 4.5 to 8% alcohol by volume. Yeah, uh, their single hops are all double yeah. IPAs. So. Uh, 75 IBU. Uh, the vaults here are pale rye, carapils, and biscuits. There's, there's a rye thing in here. I remember rye caramel. being in the last one. Yeah. So that you know, we were. I remember us debating whether they used the standard malt bill for these or whether they tuned them to accentuate the right. hop. But I remember rye. That sounds like the last one. So they we were, weren't sure, but we knew, but we did say that rye was in this one. I think is, is what. We, oh. That's why I had the, the oh. link. <laughs> that's why it rings a bell because yeah, you were talking about this beer. Yeah. Wow. Grassy. There's a, a grassy. really grassy. There's a washed rind cheese aroma yes. coming off of this thing. You know, a bit Limburger. Yeah. The first thing I smelled was, was like really freshly cut, almost like grass soup. And then okay. I started to smell, like you said, the sort of Limburger. So what I get, instead of grass at the beginning, I get some kind of um, flower, lavender flower thingy. And then it goes right into stinky cheese. Interesting. Denali. Should we look up Denali hops? <laughs> Stinky cheese, I think is what it's going to say in capital letters. That smells... And then after I pull it away and breathe a little bit more, I get something more like um, uh, those candy orange slices or something like that. I kind of get that kind of aroma in the end. I like stinky things, so um, uh, I'm digging this aroma. Uh, experimental variety 06277, a.k.a. Denali. Denali being a peak in... Um, in Denali National uh, Park. Yeah, in, in Alaska, right? It yeah. used to be uh, Fort McKinley. or used to be Mount, McKin- Mount McKinley. McKinley, and now it's named Denali, which is the original Intuit, Inuit name yeah. for it. Um, Intuit name. <laughs> uh, Get your TurboTax done at Mount Denali. <laughs> it, it, sometimes people say it's called Nuggetzilla. So, Super Nugget. Okay. Um, but they say rich in pineapple, citrus, and pine flavors that can come off spicy as well. Definitely has a like pineapple kind of quality. Yeah, flavor big pineapple and piney. That's pretty. That's pretty good. The, there's a, only a little bit of that washed rind cheese flavor. It's really like second. You really have to look for it. Kind of oh man, there's an abrasive bitterness that's there on is your tongue. the 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 aftertaste on this one. There's is, a rip um, your face off bitterness on this one. Mm, it's uh, it's doing something. <laughs> I don't know what it's doing in there, but it's doing something. That's interesting. So genetic origins hop is uh, 50% nugget, 25% Zeus, and 25% USDA 19058M. My favorite USDA hop. I like this. This is interesting, but that that end though, I didn't, it I didn't peels, get. It, I didn't get it after the first sip, but it really has a uh, like a, almost like a lacquer like quality to it, where it's like <laughs> it's coating you with this um, bitter, um, like a gas of some sort of like okay out gas of bitterness. It, so I mean, this thing is really telling. It's playing a lot of notes at once. I'm going to try to take another sip and go through it, but when you first taste it, it gives you this kind of piney pineapple, and then I get my Limburger cheese, which I like I like those kinds of things, so I'm happy that that's in there, but, you know, most people, like... Uh, or, or, or or like a camembert, you could even, even say, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like a, like a moldy, like a fuzzy cheese, like fuzzy rind or something like well, that. Well, uh, I mean, just a, a wash rind mold, you know, but... Okay. Um, with uh, some sharpness to it, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, it hits on this this uh, kind of perfumey al- alcoholish burn at the end. The like the so I said lavender flower in the aroma. It's coming I'm, to me I'm, almost like a. I'm getting a floral thing too, but it uh, lavender is not right. It's it's more like an orange blossom times ten, and then. 
like washed with with those like orange chemical cleaners almost in terms of just the oh. intensity of the oranges. I'm not saying that it's right. bad, but just that, like the intensity of the orangeness uh, is is uh, extraordinarily powerful at the end there. This is the Denali single hop from Flying Dog. I like how interesting this. Yes, is. yeah. There's definitely a lot to explore. That first sip was like face ripping bitter at the end, but I kind of got acclimated to it. It's not bugging me anymore. Interesting, very interesting. I could, I could, I could see Denali in more beers. I could see Denali being used with something like Motueka or something, and, and you get some interesting differences there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is. Uh, this is like a phase three hop, but it's pulling back towards phase two. I can see Denali as kind of a Simcoe replacement. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it kind of has some of that big, strong, stiff bitterness, mm-hmm. but cooler things accompanying it. Yeah. So yeah, so you, if you did like a mosaic and galaxy did, then and you put a little bit of Denali in there to give it that, give um, it a little more rustic, right? Earthy, just yeah, just a little bit more of a dank edge to it, a little bit more of a resiny, yeah. Bit. I, I like I like how this is. So think of like dank weed type flavors in beer, and think of earthy cave age cheese type flavors. You know, they're both kind of dank and dingy. I like this angle better than the weed like. Yeah, but they, but they kind of get you to the same place. Yeah, ultimately, um, but just like um, I mean, they are related plants. They're they're pretty closely related. They're cousins, so it's not too far. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you will get similar things going on mm-hmm. in them. That was Denali single hop. Man, pick some good beers today. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to the Porter from Against the Green Brewery. This is 35K. Uh, 7% alcohol by volume. This is a milk stout. Addition of lactose. Uh, and nugget and crystal hops. 7% alcohol by volume. 25.5 IBU. Low IBU for a uh, 7% milk stout. Against the Grain is in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, they're relatively new to the market. Uh, the one beer that they had there, the guy wasn't super enthused to be breaking four packs into singles, so I didn't get all their beers. But then they have a brown ale. And this is the one that's ever so classy, the brown note, and it's like stained whitey tidies. Didn't we? I'm sure we bitched about it, yeah. Uh, we maybe even done it. And I don't, I don't think so. I, I I remember I remember talking about it. Uh, we definitely yes, talked yeah. about it. I was like, oh, we can have the brown note. <sighs> no, let's pass on that. But I'm talking about it anyway. So you win against the grain. You win. I gotta look to see if we've done it. Cause I, I seem to think we might have done that. Nope, guess not. All right, thirty-five K milk stout. Lots of stuff going on on the label, that's for sure. Very dark color. Yeah, black with, you know, if you hold it against the light, you'll see the thinness of tan highlights, but it's very black. Uh, Not much of a head. Tannish. Nice, nice aroma. You know, kind of things I'm looking for in a milk stout. It's roasty, a touch of uh, chocolate, you know, kind of like a dark chocolate or baker... uh, Take like a really dark chocolate, blend it with baker's chocolate, and that's kind of where I'm getting yeah. on the aroma. Yeah, it doesn't smell like Yoohoo or uh, Hershey's, right? But it doesn't it also doesn't smell just like baker's, right? It doesn't smell just like Belgian chocolate. It's kind of a blend in between. I really smell much in the way of hops, just smelling a lot of uh, some sweetness and, and a lot of uh, that that sort of um, deeper chocolate notes. I want to mention real quick that in the pre-show, we talked about my new 3D printer went in-depth. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, you don't normally listen to the pre-show, it might be one to check out. It was pretty cool. It was fun. I was excited. <laughs> well, speaking of, of, of our show, we were saying uh, about how uh, 
Guess where I bought my 3D printer, Greg? Where did you do that? I bought it at craftbeeradio.com slash Amazon. Wait, we have a store now? Yeah, well, we have a referral link to the Goliath that is Amazon, which sells everything, including the Monoprice Maker Select version 2. Wow! So if you want to have the same printer that Jeff from Craft Beer Radio has, you can go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon, and then search for the Monoprice Maker Select version 2, and buy it, and you'll have the same printer I have, and we can be printer buddies! Can you also do craftbeerradio.com slash Cramazon? No, we can't. And I never did. (laughs) You're sending people the wrong place. This is not how this game works, Greg. If you want to help us support the show, use our referral link, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. It doesn't cost you a penny more. The kickbacks that we get come out of what Amazon would normally make if you went right to Amazon.com. So it's easy. We just got to condition you to always use craftyradio.com slash Amazon when you start your Amazon session. And that's why we do this. That's all there is. Thank Thanks you very much for everyone who does use it because it helps buy beers like these beers tonight. And right. it might buy that trip to Oregon since you can get some time off still, huh? We'll see. I, talking to the HR was uh, a little bit less. Ooh, less cool <laughs> with it than your yeah. cool boss man. Yeah. All right. Next year. Next year. No more maladies. I'll try. <laughs> Keep that appendix intact, man. Okay. For those who are wondering, I had my gallbladder removed and it took up a lot of my uh, PTO this year. So here you probably won't be able to do a beer trip. Anyway, on to this beer, 35K. Those optional organs. That's why I told you to keep your appendix intact. Mm-hmm. Okay. It definitely tastes sweet. It definitely has that you know lactose quality to it. Uh, the chocolate isn't as strong in that first initial sip. At least I had, mm-hmm. um, you know, the sort of more of the sweetness is coming through. But don't see, don't taste anything uh, wrong or bad about it. Yeah, on the flavor for me, I mean, there's some chocolatey type flavors, but it it's a nice. I mean, it's it's like straight up milk stout, right? It's black patent malt, chocolate malt. You know, like a small amount of black patent, black patent chocolate, and then the lactose. You know, it makes me think of um, the English standard bearer for milk stout, which I can't think of the name. Oh, uh, Ma- triple X, right? Mackesson, 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 Mackesson. Yeah. You know, so but this one has a fuller body, so it's like a Mackesson and a half type thing. Or Young is another example. Yeah, that's another example. I, I think a Mackesson's yeah. is is kind of my. Uh, my bent, my stake in the ground of this is where a traditional milk stout should be. And you don't, you know, we've had a fair amount of milk stouts, but we don't really get to the traditional. This one, like I said, it's more saturated in flavor. It's fuller than the traditional, but it's kind of, it's orbiting around traditional flavors. Well, and the I like thing that. is, it's not really going crazy with the hops here. Mm-hmm. They're, they mentioned it's only 25 IBU. They've been not getting crystal in here, but only 25 IBU for a 7%. That's not a lot. It's not a pretty, it's mm-hmm. not a very high amount yeah, of Yeah, it's letting, it's letting, well, you're going to get some bitterness from, especially like right. that, you know, this, you feel how like dark and ashy the malt is, and, and the ashiness is tempered by the sweet milk right. sugars. But, but it's almost a porter in terms of, of the astringency of the ash. Yeah, well, the, that, to me, that is signaling that they use black patent malt in here. And, you know, some people will make stouts, perfectly great stouts with zero black patent. Black patent's kind of a fickle mistress. If you use too much, it turns into a, a piece of charcoal. And I think, it, to me, again, I do not know the ingredients in this beer, but my immature opinion here is that, you know, they use some black patent. They temp- tempered it with... A large amount of milk sugars, and I, I like the result to the spirit. I do too. Uh, I think this is. If you're not into sweet stouts, this probably won't be to your liking. Like if if you just dislike milk stouts in general, I I would I would be curious to see what Heather thinks about this beer, because you're calling it sweet. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent certain she would consider this sweet. It's sweet to me. Yeah. And she, it, it's sweet. She, 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 she's actually been mad at me when I don't call her down to try beers that are in her wheelhouse. Oh, okay. So let me send her a text and see 
you up. <laughs> A peek behind the scenes. <laughs> she responded. So no, not yet. I'm uh, just saying. I'm just telling her why I'm questioning her upness. <laughs> How up are you? <laughs> she still doesn't want to guest host the show, but she like when we have beers like this, she's like, "I want you to cool me down so I can try them." Now, whether she will utter a word on the microphone, I do not know. <laughs> it's it's got yeah, it's got a nice body to it. I think it's it's a little sweet. Um, which I, I think is fine. Like you said, for for the style, for the milk style, I think it works. The I caution those who are against sweet stouts, you know, who just who just like really you know want to avoid that. This has a considerable sure. amount of sweetness to it uh, that you probably that will put you off. But if you are into that and you like the milk, I think this is a good example because it really it comes through a lot of what it's trying to do. This this, this sweetness and uh, enough bitterness from the Australian scene from the malt and the hops in there to combat it without it getting overly like sycophantically sweet. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, like I said, the only thing I question is how many people consider this to be like really sweet and how many people are sensitive to too sweet stouts because this isn't cloying. No. This, this plays the balance really well. So hopefully most people find this acceptable hopefully most people but this is not what most stouts are you know most stouts you try have a no. big american hopping to them and that's good i mean if you're comparing it to many stouts on the market yeah this one is sweeter than many yeah if you're comparing it to milk stouts it's sweeter than a lot of the bad ones <laughs> <laughs> So while you're waiting to see if Heather responds, I'll yeah, see I, I don't think she's up. She's not up. Oh well. There was some I forget where it was. It might have been on on uh, AV Club, or it might have even been like a New York Times, Washington Post. But something about pop pilsners are coming back. Okay, pilsners are, are becoming more and more popular. What kind of pilsners is my question? What craft pilsners. Okay. Yeah, they're talking about the the pilsner as a craft option becoming more and more. Um, one more viable in the market. It's I. I almost ordered one today. <laughs> I almost got a Pikeland pills from Sly Fox, but I, I got the uh, the Bel Air uh, sour from Brooklyn. That's a nicely done Berliner Weiss. I'll have to try it. I, um, I, I think that there because you have a lot of beers like this. But, you know, these are a lot of very great, really good beers we've had with a lot of flavor to them. But sometimes a clean, crisp beer is its oh, own reward. Absolutely. Wait till summertime. We'll get we'll get yeah. back on it. Maybe we'll revisit some of those great Pennsylvania pilsners, right? I mean, there was one year at the GABF that like Pennsylvania like swept, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we have Victory Prima Pills, we have Sly Fox Pikeland Pills, Stouts Pilsner. There's something about the water in that area just east of Harrisburg mm. that makes great pilsners, or there's the German heritage or the brewing knowledge or something, but that area of the state makes great pilsners. So we can definitely revisit those and we can look for new pilsners. I'm all for looking for un, you know, great examples of beers that aren't exciting. <laughs> and well, who's going to say a pilsner is exciting? No one's going to call it exciting. They're going to call it good. They might call it delicious. They're not going to call it exciting. Probably not. But... There is a, I mean, it's just there. There's a. You can you can get very pretentious about an unpretentious thing. So I don't want to go too far, on on how um, the cleanness is you know exemplary or something. Like that. But but there's just there is something about a very clean pilsner that uh, you know when it's done right when when there's still flavor there but it's done in a very clean and crisp way with the so now exacting standards. Now I'm thinking about like a big data problem. I want to see how like drinker preference compares to availability of of beers, right? Because as things 
move around, right? Like baby pilsners were not very popular because people couldn't find pilsners. And then maybe out of some random deviation, a certain you know there was a bump in. Well, I got the ratio pilsners weren't very popular because there's a lot of stigma against like Budweiser type beers. That's that's part of that's a major I reason. Yes, there could be a lingering stigma. I mean, you know, in my bubble, that stigma was kicked a lot before the can stigma was kicked. But, but yeah, it's not everyone's bubble, so. You still said you went for, you know, the sour beer over the Pilsner, so you... I did, but it wasn't a new Pilsner. Now, that's a question, though. Okay, so when I see Prima Pils or Sly Fox, I know what I'm getting. Right. And when I'm in the mood for that, I know I'm going to get a sublime experience, right? If I see against the Green Pilsner, I'm... So right now, I'm not imagining... Going for something, that idea. I'm not imagining a beer as good as those two. Right. I'm imagining this malty, not crisp, not particularly hoppy. You know, I'm not picking on against grain. I'm saying any of the brews: Flying Dog Pilsner, uh, Knee Deep Pilsner, Stillwater Pilsner, Epic Pilsner. I'm not imagining what I know Prima Pils is. Right. So you're less likely to go for it. So I have this, yeah. So I have this weird stigma where yeah. pilsners that are proven—that's what it is. I think it's a—it's a low hit ratio. There's been not enough amazing pilsners that right. I've had. So I know the ones that are amazing, and I expect everyone else not to be as good. And they're going to have to prove themselves to me. But am you ever I see Trimmer out there? Am I giving them a fair chance? Oh yeah, Trimmer pills for sure. They—they're in the group. Mm-hmm. There's probably one or two more that I'm, I'm not thinking of right now. Oh. um... Pivo. Pivo. Firestone Walker. Oh, okay. Sure. I mean, there's there's awesome pilsners out there. Most of them aren't awesome. So, you know, that's the thing. But if I never give them a chance, I'm not going to know the new awesome ones. So True. True, true, true. All right. So let's finish up with Stillwater's Super Hop. This is... From, is it super hoppy? It's 6% alcohol by volume. Uh, it's not on their website for some reason, but it looks like it was started around last year or this time. So, but the data on it looks <laughs> fine. Good so, till October. So yeah, so it should it's, be it's real probably, new. So it's just their website is probably not updated very often. Uh, seeing uh, like this is a beer advocate uh, reviews from yesterday, so it's still out there. <laughs> So, let's see. 6% alcohol by volume, like I said. American IPA. Stillwater's in Maryland. The color is... I still ha- I still cannot keep Stillwater and Sweetwater apart. <laughs> I was thinking this was a Georgia beer. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't seem quite right. There's no fish on the label. I don't get it. Why Why they change their marketing for this can? Because it's not from Sweetwater. Oh, I'm such an idiot. I, you may be, but that's not the reason. Uh, <laughs> this is another uh, grassy, uh, you know, like um, pale. Uh, this is almost like a, almost like a northeast IPA in terms it, of its cloudy. It's not quite as milky as some of those any IPAs are, but it's super cloudy. If it had like a lighter, like a whiter hue to it, then I would look like thinking it's a northeast IPA. Ooh, I just got a big burst of um, oniony sulfury. There, there's a lot of mosaic in here. Yeah, I mean, there's some sulfur. Uh, that's not what's hitting me up front. I'm hitting kind of um, the a pithy orange, and and not the not like kind of the pith that sticks to the orange fruit, not the, the peel. Yeah, I'm getting pretty much the same thing. Actually, yours, if anything, it's a little bit sweeter. Wow. That might be the odor de Greg that's adding to that, though. That's stinky. I uh, see. We're smelling different ways. Then. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. I, I hit the. I, I hit the. 
my hand, so I was like burping, so I hit the mute switch. And then, <laughs> and then I'm like, but, but then he prompted me to talk, so like <laughs> my hand was already headed towards the mute switch, so it didn't work out. Hmm. Okay, so I'm just going to go for it. It almost, it, it almost tastes like a Rattler. There's a lot of juicy flavors coming yeah. out of that. I mean, that's... So this isn't a fruit, fruited IPA, right? I don't think so, no. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's really juicy. I mean, it's not true. It doesn't taste like grapefruit something or another. But it's one of those super juicy IPAs. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the ones that are not taking the shortcut. And... Um, I'm gonna have to take another sip because so they say it's called a neotropic India Pale which indicates to be you know phase three. And you can see they're going for it. They still have some art. It's it's a lot of orange notes and a little bit of pineapple and, and passion fruit. But so it's kind of phase two and a half to me, at least from that first sip. Um, and so this is best before October 2017. So they, I mean, they're giving us a lot of time with this. I mean, if it's brand new, it's six months. Yeah. So that's when I bought it. I'm like, oh, this hit the shelves like mm-hmm. this week. Because, I mean, any other, it, it can't, you can't have Super Hop IPA be a right. nine-month or 12-month right. shelf life. Um, it, it, It's got a little bit of a Simcoe thing in there going on, but it also has uh, a lot of juiciness, a lot of um, heavy orange, a little bit of a little bit of grapefruit pith. Uh, and it's, it's a bit of a throwback, right? Yeah. It doesn't have very much tropical. The mango passion fruit, that stuff's not really in here. But well, A little it is, bit of, of passion fruit. Is there? It's a little bit, but it's... It, it's but, I mean, it's, it's really doing some things really well, and that is juiciness. Mm-hmm. The citrusiness, uh, you know, the pithiness is in there. You know, if that if that's your thing, um, it is more sulfury on the nose than the flavor. The Simcoe's not as oniony in the flavor right. as I'm getting, for, at least for me. Okay, well, this was a, a marked improvement from last <laughs> last time. Yeah, grab some good beers. Look at that, fresh beers, good beers. Time to rank these beers. It's uh, it's gonna be in. Yeah, it's it's you it's know not, it's nice when like two of the beers suck because it makes it easy to rank. It makes it easy, yes. Huh. Okay. So this this is yeah this is difficult. This is this is very. This is the kind of thing where I I got to move the cans around to figure out what I think about what. What goes what? What goes where? Huh, because, yeah, I can't put that in last because of what I was doing. Close. I know these. Um... Huh. Uh, Are you ready? <laughs> Did you just get shocked by your glass? No, I didn't get shocked. Just, I just had a muscle. A like... twinge, like a ligament twinge thing. Yeah. No. Okay, I have to do that. I guess I'll do. Wow, this is this is a tough one. Yeah, yeah. So, oh man. All okay, right. Yeah. I mean, so the bottom three are in a tight grouping for me. I'm just gonna just kind of close my eyes and throw a dart here. Um, I'm gonna put the the knee deep. Auburn Pale Ale in last place, but hard luck loser. To say the least. Uh, what I liked about that beer, I liked all five of these beers. What I liked about that beer was kind of the juiciness to that, the, the kind of the clementine flavor. Well, what I really liked about it was how malty oh, full it was full for, it for, for four and a half. Five, yeah. That that also, but you know, in the flavor wise, you know, it was like really sweet orange clementines type things like that, and that worked for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put this super hop just hair in front of it. Why? Let me take a sip and I'll tell you why. Tell um, me why. I don't know. For some reason, that grapefruit juice that's in there, the kind of... 
I don't know. They're so close. They're perfectly, practically indistinguishable. I don't know where to put on it. You know, for this, uh, I'm just going to talk about what I like about the still water. It's what you fell into. So, okay. I'm going to talk about what I like for the still water. You know, it has that, the sip I just took was big on grapefruit juice. It has these other orangey flavors. This could be a candidate for one of our once a year exceptions. Oh, where you don't pick a, where we don't, I think I could still rank. These two, I think are like, Noteworthy. Okay. Alright. Anyway. Uh Stillwater super fresh. Super hoppy. Brings a lot of stuff to the table. Against the grain, the thirty five K. I liked that milk stout quite a bit. Like I said, it was kind of playing an homage to a classic example of a milk stout. But it was a little bit bigger, so it was kind of orbiting that classic example. Um I thought it was really well done. I enjoyed that beer quite a bit. I'm going to put uh, Denali in second place from Flying Dog. What an interesting hop. Interesting for sure. Pineapple. Pinecone. Or not pinecone, but pine needle. Washed rind cheese. Limburger cheese. And then it pulled back and got into some kind of floral lavendery thing. And... Man, that is interesting. I want to see more Denali in my life. I'm going to put that Omegang in first place. And the reason I picked Omegang in the first place, the short sleeve saison, is because I always have this soft spot in my heart for uh, wheat and IPA. Weeded IPAs, white IPAs. Mm -hmm. There's something I like about that flavor profile. And I thought this one was super well done. I really liked it. I, I take issue with them calling it a Saison, especially when they add grains of paradise and coriander to it. Doesn't care. Beer is good. Beer good. Bring more. Um, it's interesting because with one exception, our rankings are entirely different. Um, in fifth place, I'm going to put the Flying Dog. I'm going to put the Benali. And the reason is because that aftertaste. It was just a little harsh for me. The first sip, it really dragged, like, ripped my tongue off. Yeah. But because my tongue was ripped off, it didn't bother me the rest of the <laughs> sips. Uh, I, I, en- I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all these beers. I think these were all... This is an excellent outing. There's a lot of really great stuff here. So none, none of these are, are losers in my mind. These are all winners. But we do have to rank. So putting the Denali in last place just because that aftertaste, the end, that end, end taste. I'm going to put in fourth place the against the grain, this milk stout. Just because it was a little sweet, um, a little, I wouldn't say too sweet because I liked it, but the other stuff appealed to me more today. This could appeal to me on another day. Um, but in third place, I'm going to put this one, the still water that we're drinking now. I really like it. I think it has a lot going for it, even as a phase two, um, phase two and a half maybe, just when, in the way it's, it's, it's working, it's hops. Uh, it, it's it's nice and bright, and there's a lot it has going for it. I'm really enjoying this beer a lot. Uh, in second place, I'm going to put the Knee Deep. I think that was exceptional for what it was giving us, which was this 4.5% essentially sessionable pale right. ale with a lot of body that tasted like a 6% IPA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you could drink a couple pounders of that and not, and like you drink two pounders and still be like, okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And it tastes like you had, you know, a lot of, you know, some, some really powerful stuff and you didn't. Um, but in first place, I agree with you, the Yama gang. Something about just the, the the way that those spices work. It was it's a perfect way to start the show, and it, mm-hmm. it uh, yeah, it was really bright and and welcoming, and uh, very very much enjoyed that one. So yeah, first place. If, if we you know for for you know, one thing the beers have going for them is they change their rankings from our style rankings to buy, try, or die. Right? I mean, it's easy. These are all buys. You know, it's like go out and get any of these. Yeah. You know, just it's a show where even I ranked it in fifth place, it's just as good, it's worth trying. And uh, I guess that's it. Time to wrap this puppy up. Craft beer, the beerists, like imagine our competition, <laughs> not competition. What are we competing for? True, 
it's, it's absolutely true. Um, Are you trying to monetize us all of a sudden? No, no, but it's just, you know... Uh, I feel proud of the ranking thing that we do, even though it is silly. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not proposing we change the rankings. But when we have a show like this, where all the beers are either really good or awesome, the ranking could impose some uh, false connotations, is all I'm saying. And I'm glad they're not copying us anymore. <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> Right. Craft Beer Radio was released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to contact us at Twitter or on Twitter at Jeff Bear at CBR Greg at Craft Beer Radio. We also see email occasionally. That's beer at Craft Beer Radio. Oh, and um, we've had one person who sent us a self-addressed stamped envelope. Yes. So um, so Harp wins. But if you want to send a self-addressed stamped envelope. I will send you a 3D printed Crafty Radio Challenge coin. Well, you know, now you're giving away what the thing is. Well, maybe they need that motivation. Maybe, yeah. You'll, you'll get something nice. Made with love and a 3D printer. Yeah. Well, what we can do is we can personalize each one. That was the plan. Awesome. Harp got number one. Are you going to get number two? That's the question. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate you putting up with our nonsense, and uh, we will talk at you again next week. 